withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. He took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. You can read all of these phrases uh, in the uh, four Gospels in our Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, We see that Jesus, he had a regular practice of withdrawing from his responsibilities, withdrawing from the people around him. I I shouldn't say responsibilities, but withdrawing from the people around him and and focusing in on his heavenly father and and really soaking in that one-on-one connection with God. And, And there's a really, really big lesson for us to draw from this as we explore this concept of ruthlessly eliminating hurry in our lives. You know, this has been a a very interesting uh, topic uh, to discuss with you all these past two weeks. Uh, I knew going into it that it was um, an issue that was very, very prevalent within our church. And we're not an outlier in the church in America. Uh, We're not, and the church is an outlier compared to America. The the typical person in America lives a very over-busied, hurried life. And, uh, and the more and more that we talk about this, the more and more I talk uh, with you all about this topic, the more and more I've confirmed that, yes, indeed, this is a prevalent issue within our church. One side effect of constantly being in a hurry is a shortened attention span. We, our society is, is training us with, with the uh, material that we are consuming. Our attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And sometimes we sit down and we have the intention of focusing in on God. But before we know it, our mind is wandering to what we're going to eat. It's wandering to the football game. It's wandering to you name it. Um, last night I was, uh, tucking Ezra in and he was saying his prayer all by himself and share with you all that he, uh, slow on talking, but he, he's praying all by himself. He'll say, dear God, I love you. Amen. And last night as I was tucking him in, uh, I told him to go ahead and say his prayer. So he closed his eyes, held his hand. He said, dear God, I love you. Before he could even say amen, he opened up his book. We were reading books that night with him, and he opened his yummy, yucky book. He pointed out one of the yucky things. He said, ew, just like that, couldn't finish a prayer, about a three-second prayer. His mind has already veered off into the other things surrounding him, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, my goodness, son, you have got to be kidding me. You cannot finish a small prayer of, dear God, I love you, amen. And the more I reflected on that uh, that evening, uh, the more I thought, man, I have been there much more than I would dare to admit. All the time, maybe not all the time, but but so often I find myself, I I go down and and have these intentions of praying to God. Before I know it, 
my mind has veered off into other topics. Am I the only one? As it, does anyone else struggle with this issue of your mind veering off into other things, even when we have these good intentions of sitting down and seeking God in prayer? And so uh, that was a consequence of me uh, empathizing uh, with Ezra last night, thinking, hey, the apple does not fall far from the tree uh, in that situation, even though I was shaking my head at him. And uh, sometimes we all, we have those good intentions of seeking God in prayer, but, but one of these ill side effects of constantly living in a state of hurry and an over-busy life is our attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. We shared we share the first week that our attention spans are officially shorter than a goldfish. So congratulations, you all. Uh, you all got some work to do. We all got some work to do. So today, we're going to try to overcome uh, this tendency uh, and some of the ill effects associated with uh, living in a state of hurry uh, by talking about the discipline of silence and solitude. This practice uh, or discipline of silence and solitude, it will go a long, long way in helping us ruthlessly eliminate hurry in our lives. Now, we, many of us are, are well aware that silence and solitude are two things that are rampantly missing in many of our lives. For many of us, we have exactly one spot in life where we can experience silence and solitude, and that's the shower. That, that is the last place that many of us experience silence and solitude. We are away from our families. We are away from our phones. We can't have our phones in the shower, although before long, I'm sure technology will, will enable us to view our phones in the shower. So we better take advantage of that opportunity before technology allows us to uh, view our phones uh, in the showers. Uh, but that's like the one place that many of us experience silence and solitude simultaneously is in the shower. You know, back in the day uh, when I didn't have a cell phone growing up, uh, I would be bored from time to time. I have many memories of complaining to my mom as a kid, and mom, I am so bored. Those moments of boredom were perfect opportunities to pray to God in the moment. You know, we, we've been talking about the little moments, winning these little moments instead of flipping to our phones, instead seeking God in prayer. But nowadays, many of us, we don't even have time for boredom. If I feel a hint of boredom coming, you know what I do? I pull out my phone in a heartbeat. It is an instinct. I don't even have to think about it. When I feel boredom, when I, when I have that moment of nothing to do, I am pulling out my phone without even thinking about it. A survey upholled young adults, and 77% of young adults answered yes when asked, when nothing is occupying my attention, the first thing I do is reach for my phone. And I got to be honest, my guess is that number is higher than 77%. I'm guessing 23% of young adults don't want to admit that when they have nothing occupying their time, the first thing that they turn to is reaching for their phone. 
And I fit that uh, description. It's an instinct. I do it without even thinking, thinking about it. And the sad thing uh, for me is I pretty much deleted uh, all sources of entertainment on my phone except for ESPN uh, because I know this is an issue uh, in my life. It's the main reason why I got uh, rid of apps like uh, Facebook or some of the games on my phone. I got rid of all of that and other than ESPN. And so after I read the, my articles on ESPN that I, that I want to read, I will literally find myself just strolling through the different home pages on my phone because I have this instinct, I had this addiction, it is an addiction to the phone that I pull it out and I have nothing to do on my phone. I got rid of all sorts of entertainment outside of ESPN on my phone. I'm just flipping through the home pages on my screen looking for something to entertain me when there is nothing to entertain me. Um, and so this new, and I'm guessing many of you guys can relate with me, uh, whether or not uh, you've gotten rid of uh, forms of entertainment on your phone. I'm, I'm guessing a handful of us, if we were being honest with ourselves, whenever we feel a hint of boredom, we immediately turn to our phones. And this new normal of hurried digital distraction is robbing us of the ability to be present with God. This new normal of living a hurried life has left many, many people feeling separated from God. You know, we go to church once a week, and we get uh, what John Mark defines as a God hit. And uh, so we're feeling good. We're, we're feeling real spiritual. Uh, if you're anything like me, is uplifted by, by the music singing together as, as a church family. And so we receive this God hit at church and this environment that we created but then we return to our typical schedules where we do, where we do not feel God's presence. But here at church, we, we purposefully create an environment. We, we are very, very, very purposeful about the things that we do here at church, the, the, the way that we do it, because we want to create an environment that makes it as easy as possible for you guys to feel the presence of God. We, we have put the effort into creating that environment. And so a solution to, to feeling separated from God throughout the week is to create an environment for connection to God throughout the week. And let me tell you that there is no better place, there is no better environment for this in your day-to-day -day schedules than in silence and solitude. Many Christian teachers throughout the years point to silence and solitude as the most important spiritual discipline. Those are powerful words here. And so let's focus on instilling silence and solitude in our lives. That's going to be our focus of discussion this morning. The first thing we have to understand is that this was a regular practice of Jesus. We open up the message this morning by reading the, the, the plenty of verses, plenty of phrases just in these four short books talking about Jesus withdrawing himself from the people around him in order that he could create that environment, that atmosphere to feel connect, more connected with God. He, he, he made it an intention. He, he was very purposeful in doing that. That's summed up in Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It reads, but he, referring to Jesus, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. I prefer uh, the NIV and NASB and many other translations, the rendering of this verse, as they indicate that he would often withdraw. Jesus would often withdraw to desolate places and pray. 
John Mark counted up, and no less than nine times did Jesus withdraw to seek God in the book of Luke alone. In a book with 24 chapters, more than a third of them entail Jesus getting away from the people and focusing in on God. As silence and solitude, they were a part of his regular routine. There is so much good that Jesus could have done with his time, but he prioritized silence and he prioritized solitude plenty of times over healing someone of their disease. He prioritized silence and solitude many times over teaching another parable. He prioritized silence and solitude plenty of times over preaching another sermon. As every yes is a thousand no's, and every time that Jesus said yes to silence and solitude, he was simultaneously saying, no, I'm not going to preach a sermon right now. No, I'm not going to teach another lesson right now. And no, I'm not going to heal another person of their disease. This is how important Jesus valued silence and solitude. It was an important practice for him. And I love that Jesus' answer to the age-old question of what would you do if you knew you were going to die tomorrow, his answer would be he would spend time in silence and solitude. That's exactly what he did. As he spent the, the, the last night before his death, he spent his night in the garden of Gethsemane took three of his closest disciples, then he separated himself from his disciples, and he spent that time in silence and solitude and connecting with God. So we, we get asked that, that question uh, semi-frequently. What would you do if you knew that you had one more day before your death? What would you do? Would you spend time in silence and solitude? Because that's how you, your Lord and Savior would. Your, your Lord and Savior did do that. So it's something that needs to be valued in our schedules. And there's two aspects to this, in both silence and solitude. And so the first aspect is silence. And there's two different dimensions of silence that, that we want to experience in our lives. And we want to experience external silence and internal silence. Creating an environment with external silence is very, very simple, and it's easy to do. You just got to turn off the TV. You got to turn off your phone. You, you got to turn off the outside noises that we experience uh, on a very regular basis. The only question really about creating external silence is the will. Anybody can make time in their daily schedule to create external silence. Chances are it will not come naturally. Chances are you won't just find a time in your day where you experience external silence. And so you have to be purposeful. You have to make the time in your life. You have to will it. And so external silence, very simple. And quite frankly, it's easy to accomplish. It's just a matter of the will. How much do we want that external silence? Now, the internal dimension of silence, that is a whole different ballgame. Trying to quiet the crazy cycle of thoughts in our head is not easily accomplished for many. 
Uh, I, I believe uh, that uh, if I were uh, to go to a doctor or whoever diagnoses these things, that might diagnose me with ADD. I, 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 am very, I have a short attention span. I, my mind is all over the place. Jamie would probably attest to that. And uh, I struggle with this. I struggle internal silence. I struggle with the crazy cycle of thoughts going through my mind. Does anybody else struggle with this? You, you struggle to shut off your mind. I, I, I uh, struggle with that uh, quite a bit. Um, I remember a, a lesson as a kid uh, about meditation, a similar uh, concept, a similar principle of releasing our, our uh, inner thoughts, the crazy cycle of thoughts in our mind. I remember our teacher uh, saying, taking uh, this mental image of putting our thoughts in balloons, and we take these balloons in our hands, and one by one, we just release these balloons and we give our thoughts to God one by one. I don't know why, but, but this mental image helps me calm my mind, or at least the craziness that, that's going on, the scary world inside my mind. You don't want to live in there, trust me. Um, in this crazy world living in my mind, that mental image, just one by one, releasing the thoughts in my mind. I could begin to feel the inner silence of not those outside distractions, of just focusing in on God. And so you got to do whatever works for you. We're, we're all different. And do whatever works for you to achieve internal silence. And so at the same time that we experience silence in our life, we, we've got to experience solitude as well. We, we need to separate ourselves from those around us. And so we need to find on a regular basis a way to achieve both silence and solitude simultaneously. And then you may ask, well, what do we do? What do we do then when, when, when we achieve silence and solitude? You can pray to God. You can read your Bible. Or you can even just, uh, oftentimes, I will sit there and I will just soak up being in the presence of God. When's the last time where, where you were in silence and solitude and you just soaked up being in the presence of God. That is a powerful thing. That is a refreshing activity to partake in. And so when you do, when you do make that silence, when you do make yourselves in solitude and pray, seek God uh, through reading your Bibles and soak up being in his presence. And so this is something that we need to incorporate into both a, a daily and a periodic schedule as well. Probably uh, focus first on the daily schedule. Probably the best way uh, to achieve silence and solitude on a daily schedule for most of us would be to insert it into our morning or nighttime routine. Maybe you wake up 20 minutes earlier than you need to and you brew a cup of coffee and you spend 20 minutes with God in silence and in solitude. Or maybe you set your Bible on your nightstand and before you lie down, you spend 20 minutes with God in silence in solitude. Whatever the case may be, this is something we have to practice on a consistent basis. You have to create that environment to connect with God. And at the same time that, that we incorporate this into our daily schedules, those small times, those small intervals of time of 10, 15, 20 minutes uh, of time and silence and solitude, I think it's important that we find uh, bigger chunks of silence and solitude on a periodic schedule as well. 
Once in a while, I'd encourage you to, to find an opportunity to go somewhere and spend extended time with God in silence and in solitude. Go to the park once a month with, with a sole intention of creating silence and solitude to connect with God. You know, uh, during uh, the summer months uh, when I'm working here, uh, I typically spend uh, one to two hours at the park each week. And all I take with me is my chair and my Bible. And my, my sole intention is creating that silence, creating that solitude so that I can connect with the presence of God. And so I, I go down just five-minute uh, drive down the road. I go down to Buck Creek right next to uh, the lake. I love that lake. I love uh, Buck Creek uh, Park. Um, and I, uh, if you go down uh, into uh, the main park entrance and you see the lake there, I go walk a ways down. There, there's a little trail away from people, away from the world, and just me, my chair, and my Bible, and I just absorb, soak in being in the presence of God. And I'll be honest with you guys. There, there's not a, a time in my week in which I feel closer to God as I truly do feel the presence of God, because I'm intentionally creating an environment where I can feel the presence of God. Because in our secular world that we live in, that environment does not naturally exist. It takes a deliberate effort to create that environment, much like it takes a deliberate effort to create that environment here within these four walls. And maybe you uh, want to take it a step further. Maybe you want to go on a, a personal spiritual treat. Maybe you want to uh, spend 24 hours or more in silence and in solitude and, and connecting with God. But whatever the case may be, we, we, we've got to find these bigger chunks of silence and solitude as well. And so uh, if you have a, a smartphone on you, I want you to pull it out real quick. Pull out uh, your smartphone. I know we're talking about how toxic these things can be. But pull out your smartphones if you have them. One of my uh, favorite resources on my phone is my calendar. You know, I, I got a, a lot going on, and I can insert something into my calendar, and it lets me know that I need to do something. And so I want you all to do, if you, if you have your smartphones, pull them out, pull out your calendar app, whatever uh, calendar app you like, whether it's a Google Calendar or Apple Calendar, whatever it may be, pull out a calendar app even if you don't use a calendar app, which you don't, I would encourage you to do so. It helps to organize your life. But even if you don't, pull out a calendar app and think about this week and create a time where you are going to create silence and solitude. Make time for it now. Because I'm telling you, if you do not make time for this, you are not going to find it. You are not going to feel the precious presence of God. And so pull out those calendars and make that time this week of extended time in creating an environment of silence and solitude. And for some of us, that might involve more work than others. Some of us, uh, some of you guys, you got kids to, to look after for. And so that might involve having to ask your spouse to, hey, will you watch the kids so that I can go experience silence and solitude? Some of you guys, uh, you got other roommates, you got busy jobs, you got a lot going on in your life. And so some of you, it's going to take a lot of effort, but I'm telling you, it is going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it to spend that deliberate time in silence and solitude and connecting with the presence of God. 
And so we both have to make this a part of our daily schedules. And again, the best, probably the best time for you is either in the morning routine or a nighttime routine. It's got to be a part of our periodic schedule as well. As Jesus, he often did this. He often withdrew, and he often intentionally created silence and solitude. And so if you are someone right now, if you were to honestly evaluate yourself and you say that, yeah, I do feel the presence of God and I do feel close to him, I'm guessing that you have a regular schedule of silence and solitude. I would make that bold estimate. If you feel close to the presence of God, then, then I'm, I'd make that bold estimate that you have a regular schedule of silence and solitude. On the flip side, if you're someone who were to honestly evaluate yourself and you think, ah, I'm not super close. I, I don't feel super connected to the presence of God. I don't feel super close to God. And I'm guessing that you do not have a regular schedule of silence and solitude. And so if that describes you, you've got to fix that. You've got to fix that. You've got to feel the presence of God. You've got to make that, that purposeful intention of connecting with him. And a great way to do that is through creating that environment, that environment of silence and solitude. And so being over busy and being in a constant state of hurry, it is a huge, huge, huge enemy to our spiritual lives. Henry Nowen, a Dutch priest, said, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside time to be with God and to listen to him. So do you take your spiritual life seriously? This is how important this practice of silence and solitude is. You have to take a consistent break from your busy schedule to spend time with God. And the issue is for many of us, when we get over busy, when we're in that state of constant hurriedness, then the quiet place is the first place to go rather than it being our first go-to, rather than it being the place that we go to to seek that comfort, to seek that connection with God. When we lose unhurried time to sit with God in quiet and seasons of busyness. And so we need more time in the quiet with God in those seasons of busyness, not less. And so this is just the first of four practices that we'll be talking about that Jesus exhibited in his life and his ministry that we can utilize, that we can use as we follow his example in order to connect with God and ruthlessly eliminate hurry in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. Father, it's my prayer this morning that... Uh, each and every one of us can see the value, can see the importance in spending time in silence and in solitude in order that we can connect with you and feel your presence. So Father, it's my prayer this morning that you help us each on an individual level to create this regular routine of seeking you in silence and solitude. So Father, we thank you 
Thank you for the wonderful privilege and honor it is to be able to seek you through prayer, through reading your word, and just soaking up who you are. So we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.